Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, Private Wealth Advisor with Align Wealth Management. This is the October 15th, 2021 episode of Financial Fridays. And if you have not filed your income taxes yet for 2020, you have a few hours left. And as I say in the NFL draft, you are now on the clock. Well, what a great show do we have for you today. We're going to talk more about inflation and some of the earnings that have come out. We'll talk about uh, tax filing and some of the more unusual returns you may have to uh, file sometime in your life. And then we'll get into some uh, Q&A about interest rates. So let's dive into the numbers. Thursday saw probably the biggest rally we've had in several months uh, in stocks, especially the NASDAQ. Uh, as we've said, strong earnings continue to come out from the financial sectors. Uh, big banks have uh, returned money out of their loan loss reserves uh, and put that in the bottom line, and that helped uh, bank earnings kind of across the board. Morgan Stanley was especially uh, uh, strong uh, this last quarter. And interest rates drew in somewhat where the on Thursday's trading the 10-year treasury went out at 1.51%. Uh, that's the lowest it's been in quite some time and that helped the tech heavy Nasdaq go up 251 points on the day uh almost a 1 and 3 quarters percent. Uh that is still about um you know call it 575 points shy of the intraday high but about uh, 4,000 points above the last 12 months low. Uh, the Dow Jones had a strong day up over 500 points, and the S&P came in right around up 75. Uh, crude oil had another good day, and uh, crude has been on an unbelievable run. It was up uh, about one and a quarter percent on the day on Thursday sec- session, kind of coming in uh, West Texas at 81.48, 81.50. Gold also was up a couple dollars a share to just under $1,800 an ounce. If you're a longtime listener of this show, old man lumber is back into the high 700s, up 13 bucks to 772. And uh, commodities have been rallying uh, in a big way over the last really month and a half. Crude oil's gotten the uh, lion's share of the headlines. Uh, New York spot gasoline. Uh, 243.80 a gallon if you're scoring at home. That is getting close to, um, almost the new highs of the year, right around the highs. And, uh, you know, gasoline has really rallied after a mid-September or mid-October, or sorry, mid-August, uh, let me get it straight, pullback, uh, with what we need to get going in this country. Uh, but, uh, it's taken off since then. So, if you're long equities, uh, Thursday was a very good day for you. Uh, bonds also went up with rates going down. It has been a story uh, here in the U.S. that our markets have continued to lead, but we've had very good results in Europe with most European bourses being uh, outperforming their U.S. counterparts uh, year to date. And that's the first time in a long time and maybe the uh, first inning of a longer 
sector rotation story out of some stocks in the U.S., maybe to a more global format. Asian markets haven't been as kind this year, led by continued headwinds um, in China, both in the Hong Kong Hang Sen market and the Shanghai Composite uh, on the mainland. If you're watching for headlines, still nothing has come out definitively about what's happening in Washington, D.C., uh, otherwise known to listeners of this show as the most isolated spaceport, uh, the most wretched hive of scum and villainy in the universe. Uh, it was thought that the tax deal would have been done long ago, but you still have some dis- dissident, moderate Democratic uh, lawmakers holding out uh, from – what they consider to be some egregious asks in this budget debate as well as the tax plan. One thing we can probably hang our hat on is no matter what happens, for most people, taxes will be probably a little bit higher than what they've been, especially if we return to rates and a regime um, more like we had before the 2018 tax reform. And, you know, for example, instead of having a 10 and a 12 percent bracket, you know, we really looked at stuff more like 15 and 18 so not saying we'll go from a 12 to 18 percent bracket, but that would be a 50 percent increase in taxes. But more than likely, I think most people, unless you have younger children collecting the tax credits, may be paying just a tad more than what we are now. But that is conjecture on my part, and we will see what the truth holds. Again, we've had a little bit of a rally this week. Uh, we're coming off a good week last week uh, in general, probably one of the best weeks we've had in a while. And we'll see what the action in the market does today. But thus far, earnings have been good and rates have come down, and that's a good environment for equities. We've got a great show for you. Please stay tuned, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. You're listening to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. And in our second segment today, we're going to be taking a deeper dive on some of the inflation news that's been hitting over the last few weeks and on some of the bank earnings that have come out this week to date. If you are a student of Victorian poetry as I am, you probably no doubt have read Samuel Taylor Coleridge's The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And in that epic poem, the mariner says, water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. And I would say that's applicable in today's world as there is rising prices everywhere, but the Fed doesn't think we're on the brink of long-term higher inflation, that is. So if you look at the action, uh, Wednesday stocks were able to shake off 
their recent tendency to trend lower amid solid bank earnings out of J.P. Morgan and BlackRock to kick off the third quarter earnings season. Both bellwether financial firms beat analyst earnings per share estimates for the third quarter as well as revenue estimates. And as FactSet noted, the release of credit reserve losses could be viewed as a positive signal on the outlook, though lending trends appear mixed. Bank of America, Citigroup, Morgan Stanley, and Wells Fargo reported Thursday, all with very good earnings, and especially Bank of America and City releasing some loan reserve or loan loss reserves to make that happen as well. And I'll dig into that a little bit deeper in the segment. While it's not perfectly correlated, strong early Q3 results this week from some of the largest financial firms on the planet could be viewed as a positive signal for the start of earnings season. And by this morning, we should have a better idea of how the third quarter shaped up for most all financials. The S&P 500 index avoided posting a fourth consecutive loss on Wednesday, but eked out a meager gain on the day. While the modest gain was a change of pace over recent days, stocks have had more of a challenging time finding a catalyst to drive more sustained buying momentum. And as FactSet has noted, the S&P 500 appears to be consolidating around the 100-day moving average and likely as investors wait for more information from earnings season. The index is roughly 4% off its all-time intraday high, considering all the noise and uncertainty thrown at the market over recent weeks, that is, growth and inflation concerns, as well as the morass that is Washington, D.C., we would view recent weakness as generally mild. If anything, stocks have looked incredibly resilient at current levels. And as Ameriprise's house view, a still strong growth environment and massive liquidity pulsing through the financial system are likely keeping tailwinds in place for the moment. Notably, the S&P 500 trailing and forward priced earnings ratios have fallen meaningfully over recent weeks, which in Ameriprise's view is adding another layer of support for current prices. With stock prices recently moderating and the S&P 500 profits accelerating this year at the same time, Forward earnings estimates appear solid and valuations have come down. That means not as rich as they were uh, really in the spring. While the broader stock market is far from cheap, it looks less expensive than it did over the summer. And this has likely helped build a little more support from fundamental investors, which in turn has helped keep selling pressure more modest of late. So, Let's focus on inflation. FactSet put out a uh, inflation report midweek showing that year-over-year inflation growth this year has accelerated uh, as opposed to moderated, and it now looks like the view is maybe around 5.38% versus uh, just a, a bit ago, uh, the average was 4.04%. Um, And yet most investors don't need a chart to tell them that almost everything they buy is more expensive than last year. And while I have well documented my view on inflation within this show, the September CPI data on Wednesday was another chance for investors to assess the pace of growth across consumer prices. In a nutshell, the September headline CPI, both on a month-over-month and year-over-year basis, came in slightly ahead of consensus forecast as well as August levels. Higher energy prices were leading factor behind the hotter-than-expected headline number, 
and shouldn't be too much of a surprise given the backdrop of energy. Worth noting, the average cost of unleaded gasoline in that survey is probably close to a dollar under where it is actually at the pumps today. So that's something to make a note of when it comes to October's reading. But uh, as I've noted earlier in the show, the September CPI, excluding food and energy, came in lighter than expected and remained down from the June high. This contributed to investors' largely muted reaction to yesterday's inflation data. And while higher prices are generally unwelcome by consumers, the pace of inflation growth appears to be moderating, according to the Fed. This should be viewed as a continued sign that the Federal Reserve's transitory view of rising price pressure is largely pandemic-related and should ease over time. One thing to consider, though, is how much of this pricing increase is due to supply chain disruptions versus how much of it is good old-fashioned higher demand for some products. Uh, with Christmas right around the corner, I think it's going to be uh, worth noting how much more certain items are in demand, and that, of course, will drive prices up with the law of supply and demand. Investors now turn their attention to September producer price inflation data, and the focus over the coming weeks will fall on how companies managed higher input costs read here, wages, in the third quarter. Investors will look to see how much cost pressure on business increased over the quarter and how companies responded and if higher costs negatively impacted demand and or profit margins. Ameriprise believes investors could quickly turn to a more micro read on the cost pressures with the macro inflation data now out of the way for probably around a month. Let's get back to some of those bank earnings and if you wonder how can they just make more money by releasing uh, dollars they put into the loan loss reserve, well, in the banking sector, one of the biggest uh, levers uh, bank management can pull is how much of a addition or contribution they make to loan loss reserves. Those are potential losses that are on the books either identified individually uh, by people kind of raising their hand and saying, hey, I've declared bankruptcy or uh, informing the bank that they may not be able to make a payment. And those losses that are taken as a pool of loans given general economic activity that a prudent person may just assume, given that we've gone through a pandemic, we may have a wave of people unable to make their mortgage payments. So there's two types of losses that can be identified and a provision expense can be made. As I've said, that is an expense. So when the bank makes that provision expense, it is tax deductible. And when they view that it's prudent to release money from their reserve fund uh, because losses haven't come in as expected, that in and of itself would be a return of a and, and contribute to the bottom line in a positive way as opposed to what most likely happens generally in bank operations when you make a provision expense than it is um, – an expense and, and money comes off the bottom line. It appears the biggest banks have done that and will more regional and local banks follow. Uh, that is uh, still to be seen as their reports are usually much longer uh, in the tooth and coming out than uh, what the big banks that have to report uh, generally within two weeks at the end of the quarter come out. But this is the first time in a long time that banks have willingly released provision money and that tells you that in evaluating their own books internally, they feel good about how their loan loans are positioned and they feel like they have adequate, adequate reserves for loan losses and lease losses that may be hitting the books sometime um, 
in the near future. Yeah, keep in mind, you know, banks are a different business, and your loan is their asset, and your deposit is their liability. So banks uh, operate kind of in a uh, – if you used to watch the old uh, Superman cartoons, a Pizarro world where it's the opposite of the normal world for you and I. Hang in there because we'll be back in 60 seconds after a word from our sponsors where we'll take a deeper dive into our financial planning topic of the week. You're listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. When today is unpredictable, you need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Offices located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson. And in this segment, we're going to take a deeper dive on the financial planning topics of different types of tax returns, not just your general 1040, although we may touch on those. But given the fact that today is the tax deadline, yes, I know we're not in April. October 15th is the drop dead, dead, dead date to have your taxes turned in if you are a taxpayer after you've uh, extinguished all of the extensions that you can have with the Internal Revenue Service. Um, The check or or your taxes actually better be in the mail today. to cover any potential tax liability. So let's look at kind of uh, how that works. Uh, kind of all kidding aside, and, and, and as always with tax advice, consult with your CPA or tax preparer. But generally speaking, uh, by April 15th, when most people file your taxes, if you are extending, uh, you need to have whatever your you think your liability is paid in by that time frame. So generally, extending doesn't get you out of uh, able to, you know, you can pay later, but you typically need to pay by April 15th and then have the paperwork papered on your return by the October 15th, as I call it, drop dead, dead, dead date uh, and get that into the IRS. I will say this based on personal experience. Anything you send to the IRS, I would recommend sending it first class mail uh, return receipt requested. Uh, the IRS is no different than any business in the post-pandemic world or in the pandemic world. Uh, they're having a hard time keeping employees as well. And sometimes, you know, the mail just can go missing. So there's no substitute for having that documentation that you mailed it and then having the documentation that the IRS actually received it and they have it. It's not uncommon to get a nasty gram in the mail maybe two or three months after the tax filing deadline uh where they will claim they did not receive your taxes, and if you have that uh, return receipt for the U.S. Postal Service, uh, that can hopefully serve as a get-out-of-jail-free card for you that you did your duty as a taxpayer. 
Now let's take a look at some common questions that we have, and generally a question that usually creeps up on people, especially if they have had a death in the family and they are the executor or executrix of an estate. Uh, the estates typically need to file a tax form. That form is a 1041 form, and those are for estates and trust and another thing um, such as that. Keep in mind, um, most estates generally don't have a lot of income, so you're kind of filing an informational return. But there are some estates that may have rental properties, farms, other, you know, someone's passed away unexpectedly while they're still working and a final pay stub or bonus or PTO time has been paid out to the name of the estate. That's where your 1041 form will have more action on there, but that does need to be turned in like a general tax form as well. And speaking of decedents, as always, in the year that someone has passed away, you will need to file a final tax return for that person and your tax preparer can notify the IRS on the return. This is a final return. Here's the date of death, etc. And that would take care of all of the taxable income and tax withholdings, etc. that occurred from January 1 to the date of death for that person. And then the estate return picks up uh, moving forward. As you get into larger estates, there are more complicated actions that, you, that need to be done. But as always, work with your tax professionals and estate attorneys on getting all that taken care of as well. Other items to consider when it comes to a tax return from a financial planning standpoint, if you have a what's called a sole proprietorship that files a Schedule C, you'll notice that on the second page of the 1040 form, right above uh, or right below where your general tax liability is, there is a line to put in your self-employment tax. As you know, depending on what you make, this self-employment tax may be more than what your federal income tax is. That is because whatever the net is of your Schedule C, you run it through the self-employment tax calculation. You get a little bit of a deduction, but then basically what's left is multiplied by um, around 15.3% up to a certain dollar level, and that figure is transported over to your 1040 form. Keep in mind, you do get an adjustment to your income of half that amount, but as a, in the real world, and the real world I talk about is folding money and, and, and writing checks, you've got to pay the IRS for that money. That cash has to come out of your account before, even though you're getting a credit for half of it back on your return. So keep in mind, if you have a sole proprietor business, probably your self-employment tax may very well be the biggest tax that you pay. And you can scour the Schedule C for different deductions that could potentially hopefully lower that self-employment tax for you. But that's exactly what I would consider to be a way to lower your overall tax, tax liability from a possibility standpoint. Also, if you have a uh, S corporation, you'll file an 1120S return as opposed to a 1040. Uh, Flow-through entities uh, typically create a K-1, which is matched with your 1040 form. And there again, the deadline on all this is October 15th when you're looking at filing. If you're operating a business such as farming, your deadlines are a little bit uh, ahead of what I would call the general population. And working with a tax professional or financial professional that knows that backwards and forwards could hopefully save you dollars as well. But keep in mind – 
if you're looking at filing, today's the date. You can't push it any further. And if you have been the uh, administrator, the executor, executrix of an estate, don't forget an estate return and or a final tax return for the decedent. These are all complicated ta- uh, topics and do not hesitate, and we recommend working with a tax professional on these before moving forward. You've been listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Line Wealth Management. We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask what's most important to you. Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is our famous email bag segment where we answer your questions on our show. And as a reminder, my email is william.a.watson at A-M-P-F, that's Apple Mary Paul Frank, dot com. And this week's question comes in regarding interest rates. And basically it says, Drew, with all the attention lately related to interest rates, why are interest rates so important? Well, interest rates are an underpinning of any economic um, engine in that it's the cost of money. So the lower the interest rate, meaning the lower the cost of money, uh, more things can go on at lower prices uh, and typically – you can pay more if you're financing something because your payment may be less due to the lower interest cost. Case in point would be talk to anyone who had to buy a house in the early 1980s or late 1970s where the home mortgage rate, if you were doing great, may have been 12%. Uh, houses didn't sell for six figures back then. Uh, probably most of them were in the uh, you know twenty to $50,000 range. But still yet, house payments were probably several hundred dollars in that interest rate environment. Fast forward to the days that we've been living in under the zero interest rate program or ZERP world where you could get in some cases 15-year money for under 2%. And it was fairly easy for people with dual incomes to afford houses in the three to 400000 or even $500,000 range because their monthly payments were – Maybe just uh, $1,100, $1,200, $1,300, or $800, depending on how much you put down and what your house was worth. So when interest rates are low, assets typically have their values artificially inflated. The converse is also true when interest rates are abnormally high. Assets would tend to have their values artificially 
uh, squashed, so to speak. So interest rates are important because they are the underpinning of, of all economies. Now, keep in mind, if you look at what's happened in China, it's a little bit of a kind of perverse environment there because uh, in China, although interest rates are low, it's been a great thing for the Communist Party because unlike most countries in China, the way the government gets a lot of their income, when I say government, the federal government there or the communist government, it's through property taxes and not so much uh, income taxes, especially from businesses because when you're a communist country, who owns the businesses? The government. So there is a artificial incentive, so to speak, to keep rates fairly low in a communist country because people can afford to pay more for real property and thus pay taxes based on a higher value. So as we sit and watch what's happening across the Pacific Ocean uh, with a, you know, I'd say betting interest, uh, it will be interesting to see what really happens um, there because as rates will probably go up for the rest of the world, we'll see exactly how much rates go up in China given the fact that the People's Republic derives the majority of its income from property taxes. So that that's, a, that's an issue that bears worth watching uh, and when rates go up and property values go down, uh, tax receipts uh, typically follow in that direction. So that's why interest rates are important. Now, comparatively speaking, we are still at very, very low uh, low amounts. Earlier this century, just you know, 15, 20 years ago, the 10-year Treasury, for example, traded somewhere between 4 to 5.5%. Uh, as of Thursday afternoon, that same benchmark rate was at one5 one one point five two, so you can see, and even the near term high that we hit earlier this year was about one point seven six, something like that. It is still a far cry away from the neighborhood of where we have been historically. The other great thing about interest rates is really almost from the beginning of time, people have been charging interest uh, in one form or another. So we have a lot of data on interest going back a long time. And if there's one thing economists like, it is having a lot of data to pour through because you don't have to talk to people if you look like your nose is in a book all the time or in a computer screen. And um, as the joke goes, uh, economists are actuaries who just didn't have a warm and bubbly personality uh, and to fit right in with a big group. Now, you've been listening to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Alliant Wealth Management. We'll be back same time, same station next week. Have a great weekend. This is WOMI Owensboro. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.